is this sitcom, and there's three guys. They're all sitting around talking about their wives. One of them says, my wife wants me to read this book with her. So he picks it up and he recites the first line, imagine a rain so beautiful it must never have existed. (laughs) All three of them burst out laughing. (sighs) Maybe it's just a chick thing, I don't know, but but that does seem to me to be ridiculously funny. I just think that's a great line. <laughs> Imagine a rain so beautiful it must never have existed. All right, this, this is probably just a really poor writer's attempt to draw their reader into the story, to describe something that they can't see. And it is. It's a difficult task to accomplish. But what about trying to describe something that can't be seen? Not just things we're unable to see, like electricity. I mean, we know electrons exist, and if we could get a good enough microscope, we could actually see them. They are physical entities, even though we can't see them. There's something that's a little tougher yet. Try describing the immaterial. How about your emotions? I feel so blue without you. (laughs) Blue? Uh, What does that mean? I'm bright-eyed and bushy-tailed today. That's one of my favorites. I I knew used to say that all the time. That's just a real great visual image. Bright-eyed and (laughs) bushy-tailed. The heart of every man quakes when he hears these words from his sweetheart. Tell me how you love me. Guys struggle with this one. And in our defense, feelings are notoriously fickle. Here, ladies, this is what we love. The practical descriptions that we get from Paul. Be patient and kind. Don't envy and boast. Don't be arrogant. Don't be rude. Don't seek your own. And he goes on. Great, straightforward, practical stuff. That's what we like. No feelings here. That's what I want. Give me that, you know. And you want to tell me how my love for you feels. Ugh. How about describing who you are, now, not physically, who you are as a person, your, your nature, what is essentially you, what philosophers call your ontology, your character. That's not something we can directly see. Yes, you can see the outworking of a person's character in their lives, but you can't see the character of anyone, not even your own. But today we want to go beyond even that. John the Apostle, towards the end of his life, is given an amazing series of visions. He wrote much of it down for us, called it the Revelation of Jesus Christ. There are visions of real future events. There are visions of real places and people, most of which did not yet exist when he gave the visions. (laughs) And then there are visions of that which can never be seen, no matter how long you wait. That which exists only in another dimension. Visions of God. John is given a vision that seems to be a physical manifestation of the Creator who is spirit. And then he has to describe it to us. And how about this? John, describe the vision of the wonder of God's provision of redemption for repentant sinners. (laughs) How about that for a task? How about describing the wonder, the glory of that which we cannot see yet and cannot grasp our eternal future? Somehow, John must use language 
to describe his visions of those things he saw that represent that which can't be seen. And in all this, we will also find the reaction of those in John's vision who do see the reality, a reaction that we should share with them. Let's listen to the Revelation chapter 4 and see if we can visualize what John saw. God the Creator being thanked. After this I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven and the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit and behold a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne and he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones. Seated on the thrones were twenty-four elders, clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their head. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. The day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Wow! <laughs> what a vision! John sees God. And then 24 men with crowns who surround God's throne. Then he goes back to the setting of the throne of God. Then there are those fantastic creatures. They worship God and the elders, each of whom has his own crown and throne, cast their crowns at the feet of God. Why? Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. Even though these have thrones immediately around the throne of God himself, they say, forget us. <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> God should be ruler of the universe and get all the glory because he created it all. This vision shows attributes of his power, glory, beauty, and his omniscience. The creature like a lion points to his power. The ox shows his unchanging nature, his immutability. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The creature with the face of a man indicates his intelligence and wisdom. The eagle soars above all birds, and this one reminds us of the sovereignty of God over all things. These creatures praise, that is to say, thank God, because he was and is and is to come. He is eternal. And then there are the 24 men. Who are these guys? <laughs> In a little while, we'll read that they represent all redeemed humans. For now, we need to note why they believe God should be praised and thanks. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. I am deeply impressed with the inventiveness of human beings. Consider 
all that was involved in making it possible to amplify and record sound. James Watt. Most people recognize him as the inventor of the steam engine, the first really effective mechanical power source. But his work on the measurement of power was absolutely critical to all electrification. To this day, you can buy a bulb that's rated in watts. Michael Faraday, among many other things, discovered that electricity moves in waves through space and he designed a means to control that. Heinrich Hertz worked from the theory of James Maxwell to prove the existence of these electromagnetic waves. Nikolai Tesla was critical in the development of ways to use all that these others discovered. Have you ever seen a large Tesla coil? There's one in Oklahoma. You can actually go and drive to it and it creates lightning. I'm talking lightning, huge bolts of lightning right in the middle of this guy's farm. It's incredible to see, but it's the tiny versions of the Tesla coil that finally made possible recording and radio and television, the internet, your computers, etc., etc., etc. Humans are fantastically inventive and we ought to be thankful for all that they've done for us. But these are inventions, not creations. They come out of something else. There's this old joke about a bunch of scientists who have decided they can do anything. So God says to them, why don't you guys make a fully functioning human being out of the dust of the ground? They say, fine. And they go outside to get some dirt. Wait! God says, get your own dirt. (laughs) Out of nothing except He Himself, God created all the material universe. He created the dirt, matter itself. And He created the four forces known to modern physics. Gravity, When you're standing on the edge of a cliff, remember this, gravity isn't just a good idea, it's the law. There's magnetism, and it's for more than just hanging cute things on your fridge. Without a perfectly balanced magnetic field, there would be no life on Earth. Weak nuclear force, we usually think of it as chemical energy, you know, put some gas in your internal combustion engine, squish it, put a spark to it, and bang, it provides chemical energy. You can drive around town. Last, there's strong nuclear force. We might say atomic energy. I want to give you an example of how incredibly balanced these forces are throughout the universe. The sun is a huge atomic furnace. Why doesn't it blow up? (laughs) Gravity provides the energy to run that nuclear engine, and yet it is perfectly balanced with the strong nuclear force, so that the mass of the sun both provides the energy to cause the explosion and holds it all in place while it is burning. If that's not incredible enough, add this. Obviously, the sun must be, and it is, using up matter at a prodigious rate. So it must be shrinking, right? Actually, no. (laughs) Because there is less mass, the sun has less gravitational force to hold itself together. So it actually grows very slightly. Wait, won't that make the earth hotter? Two reasons it won't. The growth is offset by a lower energy output and the lower gravitational pull of the sun lets the earth slip a little further away. When the fire gets bigger, you know, don't stand so close to it. That's the ruler. So how well balanced is all of this? If God let this universe go for a billion years more, the energy the earth receives from the sun will vary from what it is today by only a tiny fraction that doesn't matter for life on the earth. Over a billion years, it's that consistent. 
God created all these four forces to balance perfectly. And no human being knows how even one of those forces works. We can describe them in ever better detail, but nobody knows how come they work. Is God a fantastic creator or what? All right, one more. I can't stop myself. Within this creation, we find amazing specificity. What's specificity? How do we know Mount Rushmore is a man-made wonder and not a natural wonder? Well, because we see some really big noses up there. That's, that's the truth. <laughs> There's specific shapes of four different presidents in it, so we know that it's made by some intelligence. If God created all life, wouldn't we see specificity in life? Enter DNA, the most complex and compact code known to exist. Billions of the size of the best human code storage devices. Billions of the size. And what an amazing code it is. Just two things. The intricate instructions include mitosis and apoptosis. The multiplication of cells by the splitting, like so babies can grow, and a process for removal and reuse of cells as they are no longer needed or grow old. A growing child's body reprocesses enough cells every year to equal their entire body weight. That's how well balanced this is, how intricate the instructions are. It's amazing. It's a fantastic creation of God's. Okay, one more yet. <laughs> Photosynthesis. Every plant you see was once dirt. Eat an apple two months before it was dirt. Smell a flower. The fragrance from that flower was dirt last week. It's amazing. You can go on and on. God's creative power is incredible. You can't see the power, but we ought to be praising and thanking Him for it every single day. A wonderful Creator who gave us life and an amazing place in which to live it. God, the glorious Creator. And there's even more. You see, God created everything good, but He turned it over to humans. <clears throat> they, we ruined it, Humans chose death instead of life. Instead of living in the Creator's will, they chose to follow their own will. And since God gave all creation to them, it too was ruined. It too is dying. So does God just throw up his hands and walk away? No. No, he had a plan all along. God himself would become a man and go through death so that he could lead us beyond death. God himself will redeem us out of our sin. And John has a vision that attempts to show this that we cannot see. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated in a throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the world. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. 
And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and nation and people. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Amen and amen. (laughs) All right. A scroll sealed with seven seals in that culture was almost always a last will and testament. Something that took effect only after the death of a person. No one was worthy to open that seal except the one who wrote it. The one who died. The elder said, Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. But John saw a lamb, a lamb which had been slain. In God's perfect plan, every culture at that time understood sacrifices, all of them. And a very common sacrifice was a lamb. But the lion, who was a lamb, conquered. (laughs) Conquered what? Well, death. He was slain, but now he stands So he was dead and he is now alive. That's great, but what is it to us? Look at verse 9 again. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood you ransomed people from God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. Because this one, who never sinned, let his blood be shed in our place, because he died and lives again, we can as well. No wonder they enthusiastically worshipped him. We first saw the creatures who represent all in creation and show us God's glory. Praise God. Then the people representing all the humans ever ransomed for God praised him enthusiastically. But we will not be alone in praising God. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. The angels are all the created spirit world. Nature, humans and angels. Every part of creation praises the Lamb through whom we have redemption. We praise and thank God because he's a wonderful creator. We sing a new song to the Lamb who was slain because he redeemed us out of our deplorable state. But we can say thank you, God, for even more. There's a reason we need a Savior. This world is fallen and we are, each and every human, very definitely a part of that fallen nature. In this world, we can never have perfection. We will never be perfect. We can never see perfection. Even though we are redeemed by the Son for the Father, we need to be remade. And so, in this last set of visions, at the end of all the visions John had, is the final good news. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. 
And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. This world will pass away with its tears and death and mourning and crying and pain. When was the last time you thanked God that this world will end? It's a new creation that we long for. We need a new world. (laughs) A city is both the buildings, the structure, and the people. We will be prepared in perfection for our God. And God will dwell with us. We will see what cannot be seen in this world. In that world, we will be with God. And he will wipe away every tear and death shall be no more. There will be no reason to mourn or cry. There will be no pain anymore. All those old things pass away. Love that expression. Death dies. We need a new world. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. It's simple, really. Are you thirsty for life? True life. Without tears, death, mourning, crying, pain. Are you thirsty for life? Then you can live in the new heaven and the new earth as God's child. For those who choose to live for themselves and reject God's gift, the picture is not so cheerful. But John can't keep his eyes off the vision of the city. It is amazing. Like the God who gave the vision to him. And that city will really be. This is a real city. Let's take one more look at the new city through John's eyes. There is light. There is life. Eternal life. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God and the Almighty and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, who sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. 
when you think of the eternal life that God will give us in the new city filled with life and light, it is easy to thank Him. When we remember the Lamb of God and His sacrifices for us by which we gain eternal life, we must thank Him. When we remember the glory of God our Creator, that alone will cause us to praise Him. He created us, He redeemed us, and He will give us eternal life in perfection. We should join all of creation, fall on our faces, and thank Him. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much. You created us. You created this entire universe. And even though we messed it up, You came and redeemed us. And one day, one day, You will bring us into a new creation. A new creation that's perfect. Absolutely perfect. There will be no pain, no tears, no crying. Perfect. It's hard for us even to begin to grasp what that means. But we thank you because we know that you do that for us too. Thank you for this great vision that you gave John. Help us to burn it into our hearts and ever remember what you've done for us and what you will do for us. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.